Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, and at Press Coverage, I'm trying to find you the best possible guests. I want to help you uncover the edges you need to, to have to win in fantasy football. And this week, I'm excited to be rejoined, repeat guest. I mean, Press Coverage is kind of where it's at, guys, because I'm starting to get repeat guests now. But I was fortunate to be able to podcast with Justin Boone uh, at the end of the summer. I think you were one of the last, like, right before the season kicked off guests that I had uh, we rocked it, and I'm excited to have you come back. Now it feels like an eternity. It is week 14. It is winning time for everybody. This is like some teams trying to fight for the bye weeks, some teams trying to fight just to get in the playoffs, but a huge tilting week for fantasy managers. Justin, so excited to have you back on. Uh, welcome back to Press Coverage, and kind of let everybody know what you're putting out now. You're, you're putting out a ton of work over at The Score. You're crushing it, man. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you having me back on. Uh, yeah, this time of year is crazy, right? The the pressure just ratchets up a little bit here. You got to make sure that all your decisions with your roster and with your lineup, everything's got to be on point. And for us, it's more of the same. I always feel like when I get into the season, it's like a conveyor belt where every single week I have a schedule each year and I tweak it a little bit, but Every week it's the same stuff, you know, a waiver wire column where I'm going over, you know, 50 to 70 players, depending what kind of league you're in. We're doing podcasts five days a week. Uh, my rankings are coming out, you know, three times a week. I'm updating those normally more than three times, depending on what's happening throughout the week. I do start, sit, stash, quit on Fridays where I'm looking at my favorite starts and sits. And on top of that, I try to do a couple of players that you should be stashing, sort of like a, an advanced waiver wire run for the next week. And I've been really really lucky with some of those that we've really hit on those this season so i think that's helped some people out and then of course some people that you can quit on your roster and this time of year that's something that's really important right like knowing who you can drop to open up spots to get some of these guys that might be factors down the stretch so yeah it's it's a fun time of year but it's also a bit of a stressful time of year yeah and big shout out to writing the waiver wire column uh, you do a great job with it and it's funny, I had John Daigle on. John Daigle does it, uh, you know, for 4 for 4 um, I do that for Player Profiler. And it's just like a labor of love. It's like you know that you have to put in the work. You know that it's going to be like a hard, intense writing. Uh, it's it's sort of like being like a news reporter because you have to quickly react to things. How long have you been doing waiver wire content? And uh, why are you still doing it at this point, Justin? You're, you're, you're gotten big time, man. Why, why are you doing this to yourself, man? Uh, it's something that I did long before I was in the industry, kind of making those lists. And I'm in so many different leagues that range from, you know, pretty shallow leagues to extremely, extremely deep leagues. Um, so I've always done it that way. And I've thought about it, you know, in, in recent years, like, should I be handing that off to someone? And I just enjoy it so much. And Part of the way that I've set up my schedule isn't just for everybody following me. It's also for me, right? Like that's what keeps my mind on the right path throughout the week, thinking through all those things early and then being able to do the rankings on Tuesday. And people give me a hard time that I put out my trade values on Wednesday morning. But the way that my schedule is, there's just no time to do it between Monday and Tuesday with all those other things. So we'll, we'll see in future years. Maybe I'll try to get those trade values up earlier for people, but yeah, like you said, it's it's sort of just a labor of love. And I love, you know, not just going against the, you know, the guys that are up at the top, the the biggest pickups for the week, but really drilling down and finding those guys that are like 1% rostered, 0% rostered and having those deep stashes for people that are in a lot of those extremely deep leagues like myself and trying to uncover those gems. I think that's probably my favorite part with it. 
Yeah, I, I love doing that as well. I do a sleepers column, uh, which is kind of the same thing that you do where I'm looking kind of like waivers of the future. And it's really fun when you can give somebody that player that kind of slides through and they're able to add them for, you know, $0 or for a, a free agent pickup. And then, you know, the next week, that's a guy that's, you know, 25% uh, fab ad. And, and I'll ask you this, just kind of not on the show sheet, but with CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, and Kyler Murray, is this like the best, the best waiver wire season ever for the quarterback position? It seems like when we get to the fantasy playoffs, there's going to be a number of fantasy managers starting quarterbacks that they didn't draft. It seems like kind of uh, somewhat odd. Can you recall a different one? Your thoughts on on the quarterback position this year? Well, I'll tell you, in the leagues that I'm in, I think all those guys were drafted because Kyler was an IR stash and Sam Howell was somebody that we were talking about before the season. And Shroud obviously has been one of the biggest surprises this year, just that he's been able to come in and, and not just be a, a solid fantasy player, but be almost a, a superstar as a rookie here. It's fantastic. And, you know, it's awesome and pretty unexpected, I think, to see him doing this as a rookie and having that kind of poise out there. But yeah, if you go back, even like not just guys who weren't drafted, but guys that you were able to get really late, like Anthony Richardson was yeah. in my mind well on his way to being one of these fantasy stars. And he goes down early in the season, but he was a guy that you were getting in the ninth, 10th round of draft. So it's been an interesting year, but at the same time, you still get so much value from having those guys at the top, the, the Jalen Hurts and the Josh Allens, the guys that are consistently giving you 25, 30 points a week that their value remains very high, even if it's been a great year when we've been able to get some guys that have slotted into lineups late in the season, like the guys you mentioned. Yeah, and it just shows that there's different ways to build. You know, when you look at like league to league, there's going to be a lot of very different looking uh, teams that win titles this year. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that. Uh, and one, you know, question that if you watch First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio and, and myself, or if you watch press coverage, uh, and I've actually been asking this on my Dynasty pod as well, is, you know, Justin, you put a lot of time in the preseason, you know, with your takes, with your flag plants, with your rankings. Uh, Justin, you've been a, you know, big time ranker. As you can see, he's got the little number one over his left hand uh, <laughs> shoulder. And that's not just because he likes the number one. You earned it on that one. But what's been the player that's been, you know, the biggest surprise for you this fantasy season? And you can go Puka Nakua, but we, we frown against that here. No, I mean, Puka was certainly a, a surprise, but Puka's also one that I've taken the L on because, well, I had him as one of the top waiver, the top waiver pickup after week one. Uh, my bid was nowhere near what it needed to be to get him in most leagues, and I, I feel bad about that because I don't think a lot of people follow me ended up getting him because of that. So that's when I'm taking the L on. But in terms of surprises, I mean, we probably already hit on it. It's the Texans, and we could talk about CJ Stroud, but we already hit on him. So let's talk about Nico Collins. Like he was someone that last season I identified as a guy. I was talking about him in my waiver wire article every week because he was putting up like, you know, over 40 yards in most games and he was doing it in a bad offense and with a bad quarterback. And I was just saying, he's a guy you could pick up and use as a flex. And in a lot of my dynasty teams, I went out and I tried to target him and I got him on a few squads, but I did not predict anything close to this. I had him as a sleeper in our sleeper column before the season, but still, to see him come out and be a wide receiver one in fantasy, like right now he's wide receiver 10 in fantasy points per game and half PPR leagues, like nowhere near that kind of ceiling was in my mind when I was writing that column before the season or writing that stuff last year about him. So that's a testament to CJ Shroud. It's also a testament that 
Collins is a very talented football player and a guy now with Tank Dell out who is going to be a, a wide receiver one the rest of the way. And it's fantastic to see, but uh, that is one where, yeah, I wish I would have had him even higher before the season. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that like we get so infatuated with the year one production. And then lately you've been seeing these guys come in the league as rookies and put up numbers. But you know, when we were talking about 10 years ago, a lot of people would talk about the year three breakout uh, the year three rise. And Collins is certainly one of them. It took him a little while, but you finally get high quality quarterback play. You get an offensive system that's really, you know, utilizing his talents. And he's a proper outside X receiver that I think's gained a ton of value uh, in dynasty. And then in redraft, like you said, I mean, the tank Dell loss, Nico Collins is the biggest beneficiary of it. Expect him to be very targeted. And when he's a red zone monster, potentially, and then you also factor in the Dalton Schultz. We don't know when he's going to be back. So uh, wheels up for Nico Collins. Uh, now, Justin, it's not all like W's. Uh, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be a guy that you were high on. But what's a guy that is sort of the biggest disappointment for you? A guy that maybe the usage has been terrible for or s- simply the production? I'd say it's probably Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, you know, I've been high on him ever since he got drafted and I thought this year they'd be able to sort some things out, but it just hasn't happened for him. And, you know, maybe that injury was a little worse than we thought entering the season. And that's kind of slowed him up a little bit and he hasn't been a hundred percent. You know, maybe we can blame Arthur Smith for a lot of this, that he's just not using him the way that a lot of us would like to see him used. Uh, He kind of puts them out there as a receiver a lot and just kind of leaves them to that. But when you see all these other young tight ends come into the league and producing like Trey McBride and some of the rookies like Sam Laporta and Dalton Schultz and these guys, it just boggles the mind that the Falcons haven't found a way to get more out of Kyle Pitts so far. And at some point it's going to come down to him as well, right? Like at some point we have to start to reassess, is he ever going to be that player I think the quarterback situation has been a a huge problem for him the last couple seasons. So hopefully at some point they get that sorted out and maybe it'll take him going into another offense, whether that's a new coaching staff coming into Atlanta or whether that's him signing with another team eventually. But I still believe in the talent, but in my mind, yeah, he's got to be the guy that's the, the biggest disappointment this year that he hasn't been able to emerge when, and so many other young tight ends have basically passed him now. If we could just take a few of the Jonu Smith touchdowns and then like last week's <laughs> Pruitt touchdown and give them to Kyle Pitts, it's a completely different conversation. Uh, Arthur Smith is definitely not on the holiday card list in the Greminger household. <laughs> I would love to see a coaching change in, in Atlanta. Let's take one quick one from the chat. Uh, your thoughts on Elijah Moore, who had an obscene amount of air yards this past week with Joe Flacco behind center uh, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had a touchdown catch, what looked at first like a touchdown catch overturn. Uh, he still ended up with solid, you know, 13 plus points in PPR leagues production. Your thoughts on Elijah Moore and JSN uh, for the rest of the season? Well, there's another factor with Elijah Moore there, and it's whether Amari Cooper is going to be healthy or not this go. week. Uh, he's in concussion protocol, so we'll see if he can clear it within a week. Early in the season, nobody was clearing within a week. In the last month or so, we've seen a couple guys like Chris Olave and Alexander Madison get cleared in a week. So maybe Cooper will have a chance to be out there. But 
regardless, I think now we're looking at Elijah Moore, assuming Joe Flacco remains at quarterback. And I think it would be shocking if they didn't, you know, start Flacco again here after what he did. And with the way the players have been talking about him, right? Amari Cooper last week saying that Flacco threw on the balls like poetry in motion. They're happy to have a guy that has an arm, just that reliable veteran. We're not going to go over the top on Joe Flacco. I know he finishes the QB 13 last week, but just a guy who can come in and execute that offense and make some of the right reads uh, and has that connection with Elijah Moore. So now I'm looking at Elijah Moore and before the season, I thought he was somebody that had a chance to, to really produce in this offense. We heard a lot of preseason buzz about him, but now this connection with Flacco going back to their time with the jets, the fact that he got 12 targets in that game, twice as many targets as anybody else on the Browns got in that game on the weekend. Clearly, there's some sort of chemistry between the two. So I'm looking at more now as a wide receiver three flex. And obviously, we'll be more on the, the high end of that if Cooper's out. Maybe a high end wide receiver three flirting with low end wide receiver two value. So somebody I'm certainly interested in the rest of the way. And he was one of my top pickups in the waiver wire column this week. And then for JSN... We see so many rookies come in and later in the year, whether it's a post by rookie bump, whether it's just them starting to get more comfortable in the offense, whether it's the team realizing, hey, this guy's pretty good. Maybe we should give him the ball a little more. And that might be the case with JSN from what I'm seeing. So I think that he's going to slowly eat into Tyler Lockett's value. And we're already seeing that happen. And, you know, I know the numbers weren't massive, even though the target total was and the catches were a season high as well. Seven catches, 11 targets. And I think the yardage was in the 60s somewhere. I don't remember off the top of my head, but we're going to see some of these bigger games. And like you mentioned, if that touchdown hits, I think people would be a lot more excited about JSN. So he's over the 50% rostered mark. That's what I use in the waiver wire column. So I didn't write him up this week. I just mentioned him as you know one of the names. I have a quick little line of some of the players that are just over 50% and guys that should be picked up before the guys I'm writing up in the column. And yeah, JSN to me now has that wide receiver three flex value as well. And potentially even more if he can completely usurp Tyler Lockett down the stretch. He is Justin Boone. I'm Theo Greminger. We're going to get into who this year's fantasy MVP is right after this. It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog pickums and how do you do it well you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout you also look for a shit show game three four five six guys in one game that's right you can do it you can do it and you could 100x your payout on underdog think about week one Jets Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 boom. You can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota is going to be in comeback mode. So we'll go Cousins. Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than. Madison, less than. But also, Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. Welcome back to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger with Justin Boone. Justin, you know, right now we have 
a collision course right now because we have Tyree Kill, who's averaging 26.1 PPR points, and Christian McCaffrey, who's averaging 24.6 PPR points. Two players have just gone absolutely nuts, and neither player cost you the 101. In a lot of leagues, you were getting Tyree Kill as low as like the 106, and Christian McCaffrey oftentimes was falling into like that 103, 104, occasionally 105 land. These two guys are two guys that I've kind of circled as fantasy MVP. You might not, you might have a different answer for the fantasy MVP, but let me ask you this. You got four weeks left for your Ross. If for any of your rosters, if you could have Christian McCaffrey or Tyree kill for the rest of the season, which one would it be? So, you know, if you had asked me, you know, who I think has been better so far this year for fantasy, I think I would give Tyree kill the nod. And I think he's a guy who, isn't just a fantasy MVP so far. I think he's the real life MVP so far. And I think the odds for him should be a lot better over some of these quarterbacks. Cause a guy who's on pace to break 2000 receiving yards, you know, for the first time ever, somebody for doing that, it would be shocking to me if he doesn't get acknowledged for that award. But regardless, if we're going the rest of the season though, I think you got to go CMC. The, the schedule for Tyree gets a little bit harder here. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has just been so consistent I think he's the guy that I'd have to lean on in that 49ers offense that just seems like they're going to continue to roll the rest of the way. And hopefully everybody there can stay healthy and they can finally make a, a real Super Bowl run here. But yeah, I'm going with CMC if we're talking about the, the last four weeks of the fantasy season. Yeah. And I think begrudgingly, I'm going to go CMC as well. I'm a huge Tyree Kill guy. I think he should be the MVP of the NFL. But when it comes to a fantasy perspective, Christian McCaffrey gives you a seven-point gap between RB1 and RB3 right now, where Tyreek Hill, like, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one for the fantasy playoffs, but I could name five, six guys that could end up outscoring him in a, in a three-week stretch. Talk about guys like CeeDee Lamb and A.J. Brown, uh, you know, and, and of course, Keenan Allen. There's, there's a lot of players right now that kind of the edge is somewhat lost. I will say... If it's a matter of one guy putting up a monster number in a one-week stretch, I might go with Tyree Kill. Uh, would there be any other player that kind of jumps out to you as fantasy MVP this year? And that's a question that you could kind of take anyway. Some people would go with a mid-round guy. Some people might go with a late-round guy. Some people might go with a waiver-wire pickup. Who's the guy that kind of stands out to you as a really fantastic MVP-type pipe performance? Man, other than those two... Yeah, that's a that's a very tough question. Uh, I might shout out Michael Pittman, to be honest, yeah. somebody that's been so consistent, somebody that's, you know, another guy that's kind of flirting with that wide receiver one territory. And if you had told me that when, you know, his quarterback got hurt early in the season, that he would continue to produce, continue to get that kind of volume. I would have had some questions about your sanity, maybe thinking that, you know, Gardner Minshew, one of the best backups in the league, but still that offense, you wouldn't expect it to be the same and you wouldn't expect Pittman to have the same kind of ceiling. And yet he's just continued to do it week in and week out. So I think he's a guy that, that warrants mention, but I don't think he's anywhere near those other two guys we were talking about. Yeah, I think it's a pretty, cl pretty clear, uh, you know, for fantasy MVP, but I love the Pittman answer. What an impactful season for him. And, and Minshew had a 300-plus passing yards last week and now has a pretty exciting fantasy playoff schedule. So I had him pretty high up the quarterback rankings this week in the waiver wire column. Make sure and check that out on Player Profiler. 
One guy I saw in your waiver wire column is Zeke Elliott. And why don't you talk about Zeke and your expectations for him? We don't love the offense, but this could be a vol- a really fun kind of volume-based play with Zeke down the stretch. Your thoughts on, on Zeke Elliott? Yeah, well, I mean, pour some out for Ramondre Stevenson, who was finally coming on as an RB1 again in fantasy, and now he has the ankle injury, high ankle sprain, and we're not going to see him for at least a few weeks. He might be done for the fantasy season. So now Zeke steps in, and if you look at what he's done, and you hit on it, right? Like recommending a Patriots player seems like a very, very bad idea because that offense has been horrible. There's probably not going to be a lot of scoring opportunities. But still, if you look at what Zeke's done, there's been three games where he's had over 15 touches and his yardage totals in those games, 87, 87, and then 92. And 92 came in the game against the Chargers on the weekend. So he can certainly get there as that volume play. I don't think the ceiling is super high because I highly doubt he's going to have a two touchdown game in any given week. But I think he could step in as a top 20, top 24 kind of back as that volume guy, like I said, doesn't have the biggest ceiling, but could still step in as an RB2 for you, or maybe more ideally a flex play, and a guy who's still available in a lot of leagues. So you could do worse than grabbing Zeke, which is certainly something I didn't expect to be saying when we hit December in 2023. Yeah, I never say never when it comes to these backup running backs. And I agree with you. I think Zeke is the is a guy that I'd be way more comfortable if he, he was in my flex than my RB2. I think that there's a cap ceiling based on the quality of the offense, but when it comes down to it, he's going to get 15 touches or more. um, And that's something we really, really need to pay attention to. And I think he'll get a few targets as well. He's going to pick up a good amount of that Ramondre Stevenson uh, receiving work just because they don't have anybody right now. The wide receiver core is completely annihilated. Here's a waiver wire question in the chat for you, Justin waiver wire order this week. Jalen Hyatt, Alec Pierce, and Parker Washington. Is this the correct order? Uh, I would say I'm most intrigued by Jalen Hyatt uh, of this group. Uh, You get the Christian Kirk bump with Washington, and Pierce got the touchdown last week. Where are you at? I'm in the order that you mentioned them, uh, not the order that they're written there. So for me, it would be Hyatt. Um, I think he is more than that deep threat that a lot of people just sort of penciled him in as when he came out. Um, I know he talked about how he can run every route that needs to be run. And I know his coaches have said that they think he can do that. And we saw that nice breakout game for him a couple weeks ago. So I think he's a guy that could definitely have that late season bump here. And maybe we'll see uh, him step up. I don't know that it's going to be 100 yards every week like he had the last time out. But certainly somebody that in a receiving core that needs a guy to step up could potentially be that guy. So he's the one I'm most interested in because when you're grabbing guys like this, you're chasing ceiling, right? So certainly interested in him. And then I think for me, Parker, after what we saw last night, Christian Kirk, his injury, it sounds like he's probably not going to be back at any point soon, probably won't be back for the fantasy season. So a guy that I think he could consider dropping right now. And Parker showed very, very well last night. So uh, as long as Trevor Lawrence can get back here, that's going to be part of it. I don't have too much faith in CJ Beathard and their schedule is going to be pretty difficult here coming up. So that hurts him. But the the real reason I'm putting Pierce last is just because he's kind of just a shot play guy. I don't see him being someone that's going to get consistent volume and put up big totals. He's a guy that is just sort of that boomer bust deep flex. And even though I like that offense a lot, I mentioned Michael Pittman soaks up so much volume. 
you also, you know, you have other players there that are going to be able to step up like Josh Downs. So I don't think Pierce is ever going to emerge as someone barring a Michael Pittman injury as somebody that you're really going to feel confident putting in your fantasy lineup. Yeah. Cliche, but Pierce is like a better in best ball guy. You're never going to be able to yeah. predict uh, those, those long touchdowns, I think with him and uh, yeah, one week Parker Washington's kind of interesting. If you're in a really, really deep league, uh, Penn state guy, athletic prospect, you know, he, he was the kind of guy that if he would have landed differently, I think you could have seen him on the field uh, earlier this season. There's just such a log jam of wide receivers uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, talk about quickly talk about the tight end position. Do you have any interest in Brevin Jordan? Had a solid game last week, uh, and now there's a little lack of clarity on Dalton Schultz. Kind of where are you at on Jordan? And I'll also throw Zach Ertz's name into the mix are you taking some speculative shots on Ertz uh, with, with your waiver recommendations? So I did toss Ertz into the waiver wire column just as kind of his own little line, his own little section. Just mentioning to people if you're in a deep league and he's still out there, depending on the landing spot, maybe if he lands in a spot where he gets to be the tight end one and an offense, he could give you top 10, top 12 numbers down the stretch. But he's more of a volume play at this point in his career. And the teams that have been mentioned for him to go to, I don't know that he would be the starting tight end on any of those teams right now. I think he would be in a committee or potentially the number two tight end on some of those contenders. So a little bit worried that he's going to land somewhere where it's not that exciting for fantasy and he'll have to try to get up to speed, but definitely worth a stash. Brevin Jordan, very interesting streamer play. We saw last week, I think it was three for 64 that he had in that game. Um, I don't think that Dalton Schultz is going to be back this week. So I'm looking at Jordan again as a high end tight end two and a guy that could potentially sneak into the low end tight end one ranks. But it's more about CJ Stroud, who we're mentioning again here. It's more about CJ Stroud kind of elevating the pieces around him than it is about me thinking Jordan's a talent that I really want to invest in. Yeah, we like being attached to CJ Stroud. And and I think Brevin Jordan, if Schultz missed another game, I think he's interesting this week. Um Want to talk about Austin Eckler because he's in the show sheet. Um, this is a guy that I tweeted the other day that I think Austin Eckler is going to be the biggest ADP drop of any single player. This year he was going around the 106, the 107. I think there's a chance that he drops out of that dead zone. Uh, and if he is a dead zone guy, I think he's a low-end dead zone guy this season. He looks like he's kind of cooked. Um, we haven't seen the explosiveness. This is a guy that's been relying on touchdowns. But there's a lot of people who talk about the fantasy playoffs and schedules and how Austin Eckler sees this schedule lift. Philosophically, when you start seeing guys on a decline in production, do you think it's kind of a fallacy to chase that schedule? Or do you think Austin Eckler is going to figure it out uh, for the end of the season here, Justin? I am unenthusiastic about him. I think he'll be fine, but that's because I've kind of already adjusted my expectations for him. He's not going to be that player that we were used to seeing, a guy who's going to be a, a top five running back anymore. But I think there's a lot of other reasons on top of the fact that, you know, there's a bit of an age-related decline. I think the age stuff might be a little bit smaller than some of the other things, and one of them is he suffered a bad high ankle sprain at the very beginning of the season. He missed a bunch of weeks with it. And we've seen other running backs in recent years, whether it was Alvin Kamara a few years ago or Saquon Barkley at one point a couple years ago. These running backs that suffer these high ankle injuries, yeah, they can come back, but their efficiency is often way, way down after that. They're not the same player. They lose a little bit of speed. They lose a little bit of quickness. 
And I think that's what we're seeing with Eckler on top of the fact that the Chargers aren't operating at 100% right now. They've lost Mike Williams. You know, they haven't had Josh Palmer out there. We'll see if he can get back at some point down the stretch. So defenses don't have as much to worry about. You know, if you're dealing with an offense that has Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and all these weapons, all of a sudden Eckler's got a lot more room to operate where right now it's just Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler that they have to worry about. And Eckler has not been able to overcome that in his current state. So I think there's a lot of factors kind of adding up. I do like the schedule, but I think he's going to be more of a low end RB one kind of maybe high end RB two the rest of the way, as opposed to the guy that we've been used to seeing. When you look at Austin Eckler's name, normally he's in the, the top three or top five. I'm not expecting that kind of return. How about the Minnesota situation at quarterback? Do you think we're going to see Josh Dobbs or do you think they're going to make the change to Nick Mullins? There's been a little bit of rumblings there and 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 Kevin O'Connell didn't exactly pour water on it. Uh, talked to, and it seems like a lot of this is predicated on we're going to do what's best for Justin Jefferson with his return. Where are you at on the quarterback situation in Minnesota? I don't have a great read here. I think normally in these situations, you give the guy who was starting another shot because it's a lot easier than to pull him and put the other guy in than it is to put the backup in, have him struggle, and then have to pull him and go back to the guy that you just benched. So I think Dobbs will come out and they'll give him another chance with Jefferson out there, hopefully, um, and they'll see what he can do. And fantasy-wise, I mean, that would be the best scenario for us because Dobbs is the guy that can actually produce for fantasy. He's got some rushing ability. And if you can add Justin Jefferson to that offense, maybe all of a sudden Dobbs can get right back up to where he was before he had that just, you know, awful game or by um, Mullins is just more of a game manager and really, you know, that's all they need there. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be able to produce no matter who's throwing him the ball. Um, but that offense is a lot more exciting if they can get Dobbs kind of operating like we've seen him operate in some of these stops, whether it was early in Minnesota, whether it was with the Cardinals earlier this season, where it can be an interesting offense if he's operating at 100% with all the weapons there. So I think they will go to him, and if he struggles again, then we'll see Nick Mullins. Rapid fire. Who's a player? We said six teams on by last week. Who is a player that you see maybe in an elevated role this week uh, based on his prior usage uh, coming out coming out of the, the bye week? For me, Keaton Mitchell. I think they're going to look to get more explosive plays out of him. We already saw that in Mark Andrews' first game out, Keaton Mitchell saw this increased usage. I think it could be even more uh, prominent uh, as we head down the stretch. How about you, Justin? Yeah, I mean, Keaton Mitchell's certainly one of them. You know, he's been producing well, double-digit fantasy points in three of his last four games there before their buy. And then another guy, right, the, the post-buy rookie breakout potentially. He's never going to be a workhorse. He's never going to be somebody that's getting 20 touches a game, but he doesn't need it. He can produce on 10, 12 touches and give you an explosive day and hopefully find the end zone like he has already at times. So he's one of them. Jalen Hyatt, who we mentioned, I think is another that in an offense where they need somebody to step up, I think it would only make sense for them to give him an opportunity. Now they're sticking with Tommy DeVito this week, apparently. Um, that might be a little bit unfortunate. I think Tyrod Taylor offers them more, but we saw him have that game before the bye with Tommy DeVito. So Maybe he can keep it going there. Um, a guy who had a, a pretty good game before the bye, and I think we could see more here too. I'll go back to another running back. And you notice I'm I'm talking about rookies across the board here, but 
Roshan Johnson. He's coming yeah. off his bye. Right before the bye, we saw him have a season high in snaps. He played 74% of the snaps. He had 75 yards from scrimmage. He got five passes in that game. And he's had the pass catching role for a while now. But if they're going to now use him, and I think that was a surprise to everyone. We thought it was going to be more of a committee or potentially Herbert still leading the way. And then they came out in that game and all of a sudden Roshan Johnson was the lead back. So they could come off the bye with him even more prepared to start and them really putting more into his hands. And I think if you can add more rushing to what he's already been doing as a receiver, that's a guy that could be exciting. Now, the schedule doesn't really help his cause. He's got a few tough matchups here over the next month, but still he's a little bit matchup proof because if they do fall behind or if they are struggling to run the ball, like I said, he can get it done as a pass catcher. So somebody that I think you could look at as potentially a low end RB two um, and, and a guy who's kind of interesting this year and potentially into next year as well. He could start next year as that lead back in Chicago. I love that. I had him as a top two ad in my waiver wire column for back-to-back weeks. Now he's still available in 79% of Yahoo leagues. So the guy gets 75 combined yards, five receptions, the bears win and people still kind of ignore it thinking it's going to be a committee. I agree with you. He's got RB2 potential. Justin, give us your game. You're looking forward to the most this week. Uh, well, I mean that, that Cowboys Eagles game is going to be fantastic, well, but yeah. uh, I'm going to actually, I normally with stuff, I don't go the Homer route, but I'm going to go the Homer route. I'm going to say that bills chiefs game. We've seen them play some very exciting games before. And now every single week it's do or die for the bills here, right? If they lose one more game, I think their playoff chances are, are done. So if they can continue to play like they played in that Eagles game, that they had a very, very good shot to win. I think that could be a high-scoring game and a, a very exciting game. And I even got the the Josh Allen Bills logo that he drew that one time on right now. So let's go, Bills. Bills coming off of a bye. Very, very dangerous game for Kansas City. I think they could lose two in a row. Uh, and lastly, I, and I'll, I'll agree, it's low-hanging fruit. There's only two answers this week. It's Chiefs, Bills, or Cowboys, Eagles. If not, like you're getting too cute. Those are the two games this week. What about your Super Bowl prediction, Justin? Who's in the Super Bowl and who wins it? I'll probably go boring with this one. As long as they stay healthy, I think there was a good chance they would have won it last year, and that's the 49ers. I think we'll see 49ers and and Ravens. Uh, This is assuming my bills don't make it in somehow, but 49ers and Ravens with the 49ers taking it home as long as they stay healthy. I'm going to go 49ers over the Miami Dolphins. Last week I said Dallas Cowboys over the Chiefs, but 49ers, what, what a statement game. Brock Purdy's playing so well. Justin, you've been generous with your time. I know you got to get out of here. Why don't you let everybody know once again where they can find your work? Uh, over at The Score, you can download the, the Score app. It's free. All my content's in there in the NFL Fantasy News section. Uh, the Score Fantasy Football Podcast, like I said earlier, we're doing that five days a week. That's available everywhere. We always have great guests on it as well. So check that out. And yeah, all the things that I outlined earlier, we're putting that content out nonstop. Uh, including, you know, late in the week is when it's most important. And we're doing a lot of injury update stuff and my rankings updates. Like I mentioned on Sunday morning, I do multiple rankings updates then. So uh, that's my alarm going off. I do have to go. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, it's been an exciting season and I can't wait to see how it it finishes here. There's gonna be a lot of things that, you know, we didn't see coming that are going to happen down the stretch. And hopefully you and I in these waiver wire columns can help people out and identify some of these players that can help bring people to, to fantasy championships this year. For sure. He's Justin Boone. I'm Theo Greminger. Thanks for tuning in to press coverage. We'll be back again next week and look for me on dynasty life with Jax Falcone on Wednesday, right here on player profiler, YouTube.
Have a great rest of your day. Let's crush it this week. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.